Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. We are back with more of the Steam Room podcast after a little hiatus as a... Charles and I. By the way, this is Ernie Johnson. Well, That's Charles all, I, Barkley. Can you call it a hiatus if we were actually working? Yeah, but it was a hiatus from the show. I mean, but we were actually from the show. We, yeah, we were working March Madness. Okay, and we survived it again. We Chuckster. survived it again. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a lot of work for a month and a lot of fun for a month watching all those games. More and, work than fun. Well, work can be fun. Uh, it it, it all be. depends on your approach. Okay. To your cool. job. It was fun. It, it, it's always fun, but it was more work than fun. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of work. Okay. Okay. Welcome back. I'm 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 glad to be back. I'm glad to be back to my crappy job. That's not really a lot of work at all. We always start the <laughs> podcast, the steam room, uh, with uh, Charles' favorite phrase, which is first of all, which can apply even if it's the eighth point he's making. So uh, Yes, we'll, I got a lot, Ernie. Oh, I got a lot. All right, what's, uh, what's leading off? The women of the NCAA. This is a pro and con. I want to congratulate the women for making me watch great basketball from beginning to end. I was locked in. I was too. Uh, I've never watched two straight games before, ever. Uh, And I want to congratulate the women of South Carolina. Shout out to Don Staley, just an amazing woman. Uh, the, The ladies of Virginia Tech. I want to congratulate the women of Iowa and LSU and say thanks for putting on an amazing show. How does Kim Mulkey do it, man? She's just a great coach. That's amazing. And you better yeah. be a great coach when you dress like that. You're not, you're not a fan of her wardrobe? I like the way she dresses, but it's 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 something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't say it was good or bad. It's something. She's being her. But I like her. Yeah. I like her as a coach. Uh, but I just want to congratulate the women on putting on a great show on the basketball court. But also, everything that's happened after the games was total bullshit. We've really relaxed our uh, any restrictions we've had on language on the podcast. Yeah, in, I like in the that because I want to get to dramatic effect. Because yeah, that is dramatic. All the positive stuff that they did for women basketball for me got lost in all the noise afterwards. It didn't get lost for me, but I think it distracted from it, it just did. celebrating the championship. From Caitlin Clark's greatness and LSU greatness. Yeah. Which are the two things that we should be talking about instead of the, the, the John Cena face thing, the ring finger, and who's going to the White House. Right. You know, it's. T- I just think personally, I'm not going to say who's right or wrong because everybody deserves some blame, but... I just think they made too much noise that took away from their greatness. And it bothered me because they made me watch basketball, women basketball for hours. You know, I've watched select games uh, at at times, but 
it was great basketball. It was great storylines. And I just thought all the BS afterwards just distracted from the greatness. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah. So, Where, are, are you, um, you have a, an issue with Angel Reese? No, because Caitlin Clark started it. Two wrongs don't make a right. But I just thought it took away from uh, Caitlin's greatness and Reese's greatness and Kim Mulkey's greatness. Because what happens, Ernie, you know, we work with fools in the media. You know, they're going to make it about good versus evil, black against white. And what happens is when you throw it out there, you bring stupidity into the equation and the noise just get louder. And that's what, instead of celebrating their greatness, we're just dealing with noise. And then, like I said, then you bring the president and the first lady in. And I'm like, please, (laughs) y'all, can we just celebrate these ladies' greatness? They made people enjoy. And like you think you made it appointment TV. I mean, I'm sitting at the final four on that Friday night. Yes. Uh, Doing some work in the room, just getting ready for Saturday. And I'm saying, okay, what time is this game? Okay, what time is that? I'm going to make sure I – you had to watch it. You had to watch it. You couldn't miss it. And I was like, uh, I had to, you know, shout out to Zach Brown. I'm a big Zach Brown fan. I had to go to the TNT part and listen to Zach Brown. I'm like, I'm not leaving this place until these two games are over. <laughs> I've never said that before. Hey, I'm going to stay and watch both of these games before I go see Zach Brown, who's awesome. Okay, now uh, what else you got? Okay, uh, I just want to give March Madness another shout out to our comrades at CBS. Always fun to work with those guys. Those guys and girls who give us all those stats, not just at the Final Four uh, and doing March Madness, but throughout the year. Shout out to all of them. Uh, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, Ernie, you're great. Uh, uh, Clark is amazing. The incomparable Greg Gumbel, Wally Zerbiak. Jay Wright. Jay Wright was amazing. You know, the only thing I problem Seth with Seth Davis. Is, I mean, you, uh, the Seth list Davis, goes on. Andy Candice. Candice, yes. You know, the only thing problem with Jay Wright, I go from being the best-looking guy to the second best-looking guy. That's the only thing I hate about Jay Wright being on there. I mean, when I'm with you and Greg and Kenny and Clark, I know I'm the best-looking by far, by far. And then I drop down to number two when Jay gets on there. So that's that's a little painful, but thanks for all the people at CBS. What did you just say? I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. Hey, okay, what's next? Well, listen to the podcast. It'll be repeated. <laughs> so I want to talk about the Masters. Uh, I'm excited for the Masters starting today. But I want to say something to the PGA Tour. They're just being whiny. The, the, the shots they're taking at the live guys, the announcers especially, especially some of the shots they're taking at Phil Mickelson, I think it's unfair. And let's be realistic. Phil Mickelson has been the second greatest thing in golf the last 30 years after Tiger Woods. He's been the second best player, probably been the best ambassador for golf the last 30 years. Hey, man, those guys went to live. I wish them nothing but the best. That should be the PGA Tours and talk about calling them, you know, sellouts, money grubbers. Hey, man. Um in the NFL, some guys went to the USFL. You know, they, hey, they got a better opportunity. In the NBA, some guys went to the ABA. That don't make them bad. You know, even the NFL. Some guys went to the AFL back in the day. 
But I think some of the attacks on the live guy have been personal. How about the attacks? On, I mean, how about the just the impression that they've gone to a place where, okay, now there's no cut. Now there's, you know, it, that it's not what the what professional golfers have done. It's, they're not playing the same tournaments. They're not playing the same way. Well, they're not. Uh, but they, they, they took a, another job. Uh, and you can you don't have to badmouth guys. They took a better job. And although, like, we're all not all in the same financial situation. So I, I don't blame those guys that live. Actually, three or four of them asked me my advice. I said, yo, man, we're not going to get into a contest of where money's coming from. Then nobody in this country would be working if we want to do that. And uh, I, but I think some of the attacks on the live guys have been unfair. And especially on Phil Mickelson, like I said, he's been the greatest golf player, second best player in, in golf the last 30 years. He's been a great ambassador. And let me tell you something. Uh, I can't wait to watch. I want chaos. I want a live guy to win the Masters. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a live guy to win the Masters. So that's the last thing I'm going to say. I got two more things. <laughs> That's the last thing you're going to say. I got, I got two, two more, more things. things. Another first of all. Go ahead. You know, basketball means a lot to me. I was too stupid to do anything else. I didn't know what it's like to have a real job. I bless these young guys. Whatever y'all do, how much money y'all make, God bless you. I made more money than Bill Russell. He was better. Wilt, Kareem, guys like that. But I have a problem with our commission having to bribe you guys to make 50, because when this new deal gets done, y'all going to be making 60, 70, 80 million dollars. He has to bribe y'all to play 65 games. Come on, man. We're playing basketball. We're not teachers. We're not firemen. We're not policemen. We're not in the armed service. We don't work at the steel mill. For Adam, who I and I like Adam a lot, for him have to bribe guys making 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year to say you gotta play six to five basketball. First of all, it should be at least 70, in my opinion. It should and be this a, is to be, this is to qualify for regular awards. season awards. And you know guys play seventy five percent of the games, sixty five games. And you know guys gonna play sixty five games now. That's gonna be their regular season. I know, and I just think, if, but it's not all on the player. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, it it's is. not all on hey, the player. Uh, listen, it, it, we're we're in a time, Chuckster, where strength, where the the medical staff, the everybody is always weighing in. They're saying no, he shouldn't play. No, you know, there's a lot of that going so, on so, too. So when Bill Russell. Kareem, no, look, and Will, I know, and I know. You're, when those but, guys played 82 games, I'm just saying. I know, but don't. And, I, I, and they, I'm they, just warning you that I, you're I, that I, you're about to step on the lawn and say get off. I am. That's what yeah. I'm gonna do. If those guys can play 82 games in crap sneakers, oh, I, and Chuck, I understand okay. totally where you're coming I'm just, from. I'm just saying, in crap sneakers, mm -hmm. busing places, flying commercial, taking yeah. trains, and still. Didn't have lacing them up every hey, night. Didn't have great medical the stuff we mm -hmm. have today. I just think if these guys are so lucky and blessed and bless them. I was blessed too. But to make the kind of money they make today, to have to bribe them to, to win play a sixty-five war. out of eighty-two games. Come on, man! I yeah. just have a problem with that. So I'm, I'm with you. 
but I, but I also just don't I don't think it's all a, a player problem. Well, if, I think a lot of guys would like to play more if medical staffs were not saying no, he can't. He needs his arrest. He can't play this. You know, I think there's too much of that going on. Yeah, okay, we will agree on that. So the last thing is, man, I got to admit. I'm liking the baseball changes. Sure. I'm loving the baseball changes. Any amount of of an increased pace of play, I'm all for. And I don't think it's unreasonable. No. They cut 30 minutes. I think I saw the stat. They've cut 30 minutes off 95% of the game so far this year. And listen, I think it's great. I can't wait to start watching more games. I, I'm probably going to go to more games. Uh, my Phillies are struggling right now. Ooh, yeah, it's my boy Reese Hoskins. five starts? Like yeah, Reese yeah. Hoskins is out. He tore his ACL. Bryce uh, Harper's out. You know, so we we getting in a hole. We can't because, man, the Braves are for real. The Mets are for real. Um, Mets just got swept by the Brewers. I know. But, you know, they missing Verlander. Uh, but, you know, the best thing my Phillies got going from is the Washington Nationals. We're going to always be better than them. Hey, uh, so that's a that's a, a wide-ranging first of and all. And now, hockey playoffs starting soon. NBA playoffs, best time of the year. And and now we're going to take a, a short break. Yeah, and when we come back. Bet, ooh, this is big here. Yeah, this you almost gave away the guest. This is big. Yeah, but we'll be right back. We are back on the steam room. Chuckster, you know what I did yesterday? What did you do yesterday? Ryan? I got up on Wednesday morning, and um, it was the day that the uh, that the film Air uh, came out in theaters. I, and I never go to theaters anymore. But I said, you know what? In advance of our, of our podcast Thursday, I'm going to go to the theater at 10 o'clock in the morning. I always go in the morning. At, in, at Hamilton Mill, out by my house, and I'm going to watch Air. And it was awesome. The review, the, the reviews have been fantastic. Well, add mine to it. Okay. I thought it. I thought it was a great story, really well told, and just it was it was really really good. And so uh, I went because shoot, Ben Affleck's going to be on the uh, on the podcast. This is, this is probably this is probably our biggest star. Uh, I would I would have I mean, to agree. I mean, I would have we, to Tom agree Brady, yeah, Peyton, Sally Field, mm-hmm. Doctor Fauci. Yeah. But this is probably our biggest star, I will admit. How about that? Anything else you want to say to butter him up to? A... Well, it's just a fact. Yeah. This is actually true. like a movie star. Yeah. Ben, thanks for thanks for taking a few minutes with us, man. We appreciate you. How are you? Who kinds me? These are extremely generous words. This is the high point of my tour promoting this movie, getting the opportunity to sit down with both of you, in particular, my friend Charles, whom I... Matt and I dedicated an Easter egg homage that's been buried in this film. And <laughs> Charles will eventually see the movie. And when he does, he, I think, will find it funny yeah. or else oh. I'm in trouble. Man, it was really, it was really a great watch, man. And, and I'm, and I was wondering, I mean, you, so you directed this movie and I'm, and I'm wondering how much did you know of the story before you said, Hey, this is, this would be a great, this would be a great film. You know, I really didn't know. I was pretty young and I wasn't that, and also like the media and the whole thing wasn't that tuned into the behind the scenes, behind the scenes of things like shoe deals in 1984. You know, that was kind of just the inside baseball. I think in retrospect, people have gotten interested in that deal, but I just, 
haven't really known about it. And, and so I kind of discovered it. And also part of it was I wanted to kind of take this, this story and make a, a larger sort of like fable, you know, kind of a uh, story out of it. it's tough. And you, you know, you try to condense something to, to two hours. That was a long business negotiation and so forth, but you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and I loved the actors that were in it. I knew it could, it was a real challenge to take that and, and, and make a kind of funny, fast sort of, you know, surprising story out of it and uh and i was look you know i remember that draft class as i remember no um charles probably does as well and uh it was fascinating i mean the whole story of all the players drafted that year and and really it was a story in large part about like what people think is going to happen what we expect to happen how we get there and how in retrospect we tend to look back and change it, you know, and, and, and imagine it differently in some ways. And, uh, it's, it's a fascinating example, just because you look at the, at the order of the draft, you know, which we make a thing out of, a, you know, where you have, um, Akeem and then Bowie and then Jordan, you know, I think the fifth kid drafted was, uh, he's a good looking dude. That's all I know about. He, the fifth he hosts a podcast <laughs> called, exactly the, uh, right. hey, called the steam room. Is it, I mean, I can't remember all your roles, but let me just ask, is it harder to just act or play an actual person? I mean, I think it, it, I, I really admire actors that like you get your, you know, look, I've seen well, Viola Davis in the movie. She do that incredibly. Daniel Day-Lewis, Sean Penn. I, I, I kind of feel comfortable sort of in the middle where like playing Phil Knight, who I didn't know and hadn't met and only kind of read about, I was like, well, I don't want to try to, you know, reproduce all his like, every little personality trait. It was more interesting that this guy from his books and stuff was, you know, they kind of started this sort of what they want to be like a revolutionary kind of upstart hippie kind of jogging company with values and Buddhist sort of beliefs and form from Asia. And then all of a sudden they were running like a, a very successful running company and had to be sort of corporate and responsible. And with like Phil Knight, for example, you know, more important than like getting his exact details, right. Because while he's very well known, people don't know every little nuance of his behavior. You know, there's this thing where like people want to kind of make fun of the boss. You know what I mean? The guy, the guy at the top. And, and he, there had to be someone in the movie, kind of who was skeptical of the whole thing, who kind of represented the the overall skepticism that that particular deal faced. And so I made um, elected to make fill that principal character and then just kind of more had fun with it. You know what I mean? I thought, what are ways in which I can use kind of some of these character traits to, to have fun, to allow the other people that are working there to kind of give them a hard time and, but also tip the hat to the deal that he made and the fact that he did, you know, take that step, which was really significant. Chuckster, how much did you know about Michael at that point? I mean, when you guys were both coming out, we bonded because when I went to the, when I went to the 84 Olympic trials, we had 120 people and we go 120, 180, 60, 40, 20, 16. So I spent the whole time and me and Michael, for some reason, clicked. And I remember I got cut. So I'm going to the airport with John Stockton, Carl Malone and Terry Porter and myself. And a couple weeks later, I got a call from John Thompson. He says, Hey, John Thompson called. He wants to speak to you. Can you come to my office? They called my coach, Sonny. He says, Sonny, I want to apologize. He says, Charles was the second best player at the Olympic trials, but Bobby just hated him for some reason. We ask him every day, Why do you hate him? He says, 
He's not going to be on the team. You guys can let that go. And I remember telling my coach, I said, Coach, I told you I played great. But to answer your question, my co- after John hangs up You're the phone. You're talking about Bobby Knight. Yes. After he hangs up the phone, my coach said, I thought you were the best player in the country. I said, well, I'm damn sure not. <laughs> I said, Coach, I just saw the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I said, there's a guy, he's about an inch taller than me. He cannot run everybody. He cannot jump everybody. He said, what's his name? I said, his name is Michael Jordan. I said, Coach, I kind of seen him a couple times, but at that time we were all in love with the Big East. I said, Coach, I've never seen a guy run that fast and jump that high. So that was my first Michael Jordan moment. Yeah, and and so Ben, you, I mean, you capture you capture that in in this film, and when you look at the big picture and the impact of that one deal, what what comes to your mind? There's a couple of things. One, now we kind of take for granted that like people are kind of brands, right? Like your brand, what do you mean? That word is synonymous with the, those two things are synonymous. Um, and at the time, really prior to that deal, the idea of a person and a brand were very separate. Brands didn't have meaning. You know, Cheerios was Cheerios and Goodyear were tires and blimps. And it didn't have any other deeper resonance or meaning. And just the idea that you could attach something that you were essentially selling people because and create value in that attachment by the, the brand becoming the association with a person and what a person does, how they live, how they, and then the fact that they, which they, there's no way they could have foreseen the astonishing luck that that person, the first time they really experiment with this is Michael Jordan, who in fact becomes so, meaningful like more meaningful in terms of just excellence and and beauty and grace and greatness and power and all, represents all these things was incredibly lucky and 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 seems incredibly almost kind of coincidental sort of one of those things where everything kind of came together and all the facets of that story have these kind of magical things where you know you know little curiosities about them and oddities and and I thought that was kind of interesting because it's like there's a certain nebulous mystery about how do these things kind of happen? How did these shoes that came to be this thing and this player and all that, and this company all be connected. And at the same time, really the most significant part of it is that albeit not enough as, as I think is fair. And I don't think we've arrived at that point, but the shift in terms of capitalism and selling things shifted for the first time from like the idea, I'm just going to pay you to the idea of you were going to actually participate in the benefits we receive from your work, right. image, meaning, and that's hugely important because if it, if you don't do that, it's it's ex- exploitative in a very serious way. And I'm sure many many athletes, I'm sure you guys know plenty of people who create a lot of value at various points in their life, and were left with less than they deserved from that experience. You know, and I think we kind of sense that that's profoundly unfair, and that's why I think the the Biles character. And and what the Jordan family with David Falk and you know the whole team there did to to try to start the process because it's about precedence, right? The first time somebody does it, it makes it easier for the next person and the next person. So, uh, as far as trying to, what who did you talk to about learning to be Phil Knight? Because Chris Tucker was driving me freaking nuts. He's like, 
he, he calls me like, yo, man. That's funny because he said you kept calling him. Yeah, he I was, was like, like, man, Charles. Hey, it, 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 you know, you know, Ben, it was the weirdest thing because he says, Charles, tell me about Howard White. I was like, man, he's like the uncle, the older brother, father figure to me and Michael. Like every time you screw up, he calls you. He's always got your back. But every time you do something stupid, which I did more stupid stuff than Michael, he's coming to visit you. And he's going to break your balls. But he's always positive when he does it. And Chris would kept – and I was trying to explain that to Chris. Well, wait till you see how Chris Tucker portrays it, him it, too, man. It's do, awesome. Howard, Howard is like the big brother, father figure that we never had. I mean, yeah. Michael did. I didn't. And he's just amazing. So, But I was asking, Ben, who did you talk to to, to come to Phil? Well, there's a lot of like stuff available about Phil. But actually, I talked to Howard quite a bit. And as you know, you know, Howard is, is very communicative and very positive and kind of a, you know, almost like an evangelist and of his vision and positive. And Howard himself, by the way, has an incredible life. I was like, wow, we should, somebody should make your life story. This is amazing. <laughs> I can't even go into, but the guy's done, he's faced incredible things and been through all this. And he, and he remains like really positive and, and, and kind and, and really persuasive. And that was really what I was trying to get across was the, kind of as he communicated to me without sort of saying it explicitly. But one thing it felt like really interesting to me, like, okay, these companies, for example, this like largely white jogging company in Oregon uh, needed to have African-American athletes in order to communicate with a lot of these young men who are coming up in to the NBA to have them feel comfortable and feel like that who they were was kind of reflected and understood and appreciated um, at Nike and, and um, and also at the same time, you know, it reminded me of of things that you see in, in show business sometimes, which is people becoming very sort of what feels like overnight at a very young age, successful, having access to a lot of things they didn't have access to and a lot of choices that they have to face with big life consequences that you just, you know, as a young man, I don't know, very, very few of us are equipped to make extremely wise choices at 22 years old. I, I only became able to do that um, last year. But it's a it's, it's, it's a lot to ask. Howard character as a representative of kind of the recognition of the need to like to, to actually have these companies inside reflect who they were advertising on the outside. And the his mother's character as a representative of like, hey, you know, the the people, the young, the young men in the NBA, for example, and I, I suspect this is true across sports and entertainment and a, a lot of areas where it's like you grow up and you're you all of a sudden uh, as a young guy or woman, you get all this opportunity. You need to have been brought up and supported and to continue to have ongoing support to help you figure this stuff out because it's a lot. It's a big change. You know, uh, Matt Damon plays Sonny Vaccaro in this and, and Sonny Vaccaro is the guy who's all in on we've got to get Michael Jordan, uh, so Matt's great in the in the film. You guys go back so far, uh, Ben. You remember the first time you met Matt? Yeah, I think I was eight years old. I was the first first. I was playing basketball, actually playing basketball, probably at at the park. And he moved to a couple of blocks away. And you know, when you're like eight and ten, that's like uh, the bigger kid. You know what I mean? He was like a really older, like for a while, he was like one of those older kids and play the older league, you know, the, the older division in, in baseball and stuff like that. So 
you know, because that's such a big difference at that age, it was kind of like a little bit of a distance. And then until we kind of like around 13 or I was like 12, 13, we kind of started hanging out more and then really got close when we ended up and I got to high school. He was a junior and I was a freshman and we were, we were interested in a lot of the same things. And, uh, you know, the truth about Matt is I'd love to kind of give him shit and, <laughs> and and give him a hard time but he's just a good guy he's been a good friend to me and kind and he's a good man and he's been that way his whole life you know I mean, he's done so you know we all we all have our uh we all have our eccentricities which is part of what i think is fun about these stories like you, about this this nike story you want to tell stories that have vulnerability that have real people that do stupid things that make mistakes that don't always know the right answers but that there's a kind of passion and compassion there an affinity for one another. And that's, that's what I really liked. And that's why the friendship that I have with Matt, that's been now, you know, the God forever, you know, more 40 than 40 years. years yeah. yeah. It's really meaningful. You can feel it. Give me a peek behind the curtain. I mean, when you guys are, and, and you, you have such a long working relationship with each other, uh, are there times where you, where you butt heads? You know, we don't have that kind of like uh collaboration. I know some people do, whether it's sports, you know, um, or, or, or collaborations anyway, you know, where there, there either has to be kind of a leader, like a dictator, like you guys mentioned the Bobby Knight example, obviously, who I, what I understand, you know, is very autocratic, uh, or there has to be a, a leader on the floor or something like, whereas with the collaborations that I find most successful in terms of making movies, they're really about, and I'd be curious, Charles, if you think this is like analogous to, to sports, but like, one of the interesting things I found is the more relaxed people are, the more at ease they are, the better they perform. The more comfortable they are, the fluid they are, and they just they just access that part of them. If, you know, if they have that talent, that just lets them kind of do it without almost thinking. And when guys get tight, you know, when there's like a nervousness or you better perform or, you know, they, I feel like that leads to a, a stiffness. So me and Matt have always had a very easy back and forth thing. We kind of make decisions based on like, which everyone really, I guess you feel that strongly about it. All right, let's try it. The benefit of, of movies versus like, you know, for example, sports is like, we can do another take on the last shot of the game. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well you're 100% correct. The, the less pressure you can take off guys, the, the much better. Because the worst thing can happen, not just in, in basketball, in sport, sometimes guys try too hard. And I used to hate playing at home, not at home, my city, I hated coming to Atlanta because like 30 of my friends from high school to my hometown came over and I wanted to play great. And I ended up playing like shit all the time. I was like, man, I w these guys see me on TV. I know I'm a great player. My mom, my dad, all my high school friends and my homeboys come. And I was so stressed out the day of the game I like, cause I, I was like, man, I want y'all to see how great I am at basketball. So the key is to control your stress level. That's exactly when you, actors are trying too hard. Everyone's pushing too hard or trying. Like, the, if you, there's nothing worse than trying to be funny, right? Or, or any time, like in a movie, you leaning forward, the audience feels like that you're trying to sell them something. You just turn off. And also, it's like it's the it's that tightness thing. It's like it's that Jordan championship game, passing sleep before passing the ball, the guy on the other team. Like the more anxiety and stress you have. The something gets in the way of uh, whatever that kind of gift is that you just want to be in touch with. And this movie, I had like, you know, I'm Viola, Jason Bateman, Matt Damon, uh, Chris Messina, you know, Chris Tucker. Like, I was like, you guys just, just have fun. 
just feel comfortable. And the easier it felt and the smoother it was, it, the better it got to the point where I could tell the actors were like, this hardly feels like work. Like, we feel bad. Was it good? Do we come in? Because we've <laughs> kind of just been around, you know? What's the difference between being an actor in a movie and being an actor director? I mean, that's good. That, you got a lot of hats on. It's a big difference because, like, Chris Tucker was always called like the player coach. Um, which I guess there is an analogy to, because if you are a player coach, obviously you're not just running the plays. I mean, you've got a lot of, you've got all kinds of other things to think about, including the politics, including the strategy, including the ownership, including, you know, whatever it is that, that coaches have to think about. And as a director, the advantage is that you really, you need to get most of the work actually for a movie done in prep, like beforehand, because you can only change about 10, 15% on the day. Most of what it's going to be is now kind of set in stone based on the script, the people you've cast, you know, the the people you've hired, the way things look. And um, and then there's a little bit of luck involved. What I found when I first started directing, it was like so stressful and overwhelming. I was I can't be in my first movie and I'm glad I wasn't because um, but as I've gotten more comfortable and just learned more and gotten more at ease, I now find myself acting in movies, think like, going, oh, you know, try, having to sort of tell myself like you're not directing a movie go back to your trailer sit down <laughs> hey um during uh, your tour and doing press for this for this movie air uh, which is in theaters now by the way folks um i saw a clip of you speaking spanish fluently uh and and it, it occurred to me as we got ready for this that you know you and the chuckster have something in common because charles has for many years uh, prided himself in saying that he's going to learn to speak Spanish. I've been busy, so here, Ernie. So, uh, you've been busy, I've I know. Been busy. You've been busy the last 20 years that you uh, said you're going to learn. Actually, about 40 years. Yeah, but still, if you say you're going to learn it, to learn it. Ben been busy, too. Fluent is an exaggeration because if you actually speak Spanish and you hear you hear me talk, you'd be like, mm. Well, wait till you hear Chuckster. <laughs> Throw him some of your best, Chuck. Come on. Muy bien, gracias. And there you have it. That's it. <laughs> That's not very good, Charles. However, as I want to get to, because I really, I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait for Charles to actually see the movie. No, I promise. I'm seeing, I'm seeing it tomorrow, actually. Oh, yeah, I think you, you slid a probably in there almost. No. Uh, well, uh, are you probably going to see it or are you going to play golf tomorrow? No, no. It's going to rain all day tomorrow, but I'm a, I just got to make sure they got a time before the Masters come on. Um, make sure, Charles, whatever they need to do, they do yeah. for you. Yes. You're in the movie. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, I, I, I've already heard. I've already heard. That's okay. I handpicked some photographs. The first picture we had was you eating a cheeseburger. So me and Matt looked at it for a while. We really enjoyed that picture, but we felt like it may be bordering on unrealistic that that would be the picture that they would use of you because we were trying to find pictures where you didn't look so handsome. So, because like, remember, you know, it was before Barkley was the, the Adonis that we know now. We were trying to find some funnier. <laughs> One of your images. We didn't end up settling on a more realistic one. And, and, yeah. But here's the thing, Chuckster. And I, see, I don't want to give anything away, and I don't want to. I don't know what I'm prohibited from saying, but there is a great line about the Chuckster. There's a line where a man looks at Charles Barkley as a prospect for yeah. drafting, and he makes a very confident declaration about Charles's future and what is in destiny, and it's about foresight and wisdom. And the way that people are very sure about the way things are going to end up. 
And I want you to know that the joke, Charles, is that the man is profoundly wrong, you see. Ben, you're telling me I can't I can't say the line. I gotta let just people I, you can say it to him. I, I no, think, I think you probably says, no. nobody nobody wants to see him on television. I've I've heard you. That's <laughs> what I said to say. It was like I laughed hey, out loud in the nobody theater. Nobody <laughs> wants to see Charles Barkley on TV. It's funny because Charles is probably unequivocally the best, most interesting athlete ever to turn commentator, broadcaster, ever, because of his candor, wisdom, and entertainment value. Without question. He changed the landscape. What's crazy about why I'm excited to see the movie, it's my life. Because we both go to Nike. Because, you know, I'm in that same class. And obviously, they signed Michael, and they signed me. So I'm there when all this shit is happening. And clearly, and I'm still with Nike to this day, and Michael gave me some great advice one time. Michael said, we were playing golf one summer, and I think at the time I was making about $3 million a year from Nike, uh, if I remember correctly. And he and Michael's always been a great businessman. He says, hey, man. Why you need all that money? I said, dude, what you talking about? He says, I was looking at your contract. You're making about $3 million. Tell Nike you want a million and you want the rest in stock options. And I said, Thank what? you, Michael. Hell yeah. I said, <laughs> I, I, and hey, uh, I says, okay, I'll run it by my guys. And I said, hey, guys, I was talking to Michael. He said, instead of me taking $3 million, he wants me to take a million and the rest in stock. He says, well, that's a good idea if they're going to be great. I, I says, what do you think? You think, I said, this dude's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. Let's do it. And or I, just do it. Yeah. And so I actually made probably 10 times the amount of money because it's split. Because I got, if I remember correctly, I got those options like at $35. And they've split over a hundred, probably ten times since nineteen eighty four, eighty five. So, uh, so I was all. So this whole movie, the one I'm excited to see it. I'm with. I'm spending time with Phil Knight. Actually, I spent more time with Howard and Sonny. Um. So. I'm excited to see what was really going on behind the scenes. Yeah, we're gonna let you. We're gonna let you go with one other thing, uh, Ben. Um, Chuck is a. Uh, is a, a donut connoisseur. He prefers Krispy Kreme. You're more of a Dunkin' what? Donuts guy. I know. I know. I am. And that confuses me, Charles, because you're so, you have such good taste otherwise. Well, first of all, Dunkin' Donuts, they're cake. They're not donuts. They're cake. Whatever you want to call it, it's good. It, it, I didn't say it was bad. It's not as good as that. First of all, let me tell you something. First of all, first of all. When, you, when all. you see that little hot sign, you gotta stop in Krispy Kreme. That's not even, that's unfair marketing. When you nobody can resist the hot sign at Krispy Kreme. I've tried Dunkin' Donuts. They are good donuts, but they're more cake. I'm a Dunkin' guy. They're more well, cake. They're, the like, coffee is what I really love and go for. But next time I'm, I see you, Charles, I'm gonna bring you some donuts. I'm gonna put you the taste test. I'm gonna have them I'm gonna see if they can make a personal Barkley special. Donut. Well, just and for the record, donuts. Ben, we've we've had a make sure it's really big. They tried to trick me with different donuts over the years. I can tell a Krispy Kreme like anybody's business, yeah. brother. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. Well, like Michael said, I hope you're getting paid for your 
endorsement. Hey, listen, man, Michael has made me thanks to Nike, and I'm excited to see the movie, man, and continue success. And thank you for being on here with me and Crazy Ernie. Thank you, Charles. It's a pleasure <laughs> and, 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 and a joy, and I look forward to coming on here because I thought uh, – it, it, it will be, it's such a fun, I've had pleasure being around you and, and enjoying your company from time to time. It's always makes me feel so good. And I love what you do on, on your, I really do believe you are the very best and, and uh, you, you, you tell the truth and you're a joy to listen to and watch. And, and that's why I wanted to try to tip the hat to you in this movie because, uh, because of you. And also Howard, maybe when I'm after at some point later down the road, you can tell the show story that Howard told me about when you called him, and he had uh, set you up with Moses Malone, and Moses had you working out. Let's see if that's true or not. He saved my life, uh, you know, because I, you know, at the time I was three hundred pounds, and Moses, who I called dad, uh, he made me lose fifty pounds. It, it changed so the true. whole dynamic of my life and my career. Howard, Howard, yeah, he he got Moses. He says because I wasn't getting to play. Coach, you know, I played at 300 pounds in college and had great success, but you can't play in the NBA at 300 pounds. And so, yeah, him him hooking me up with Moses Malone changed the entire trajectory of my career. Ben Affleck, uh, thank you much, thank man. You. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome, man. Yes, indeed. I can't wait to see the movie. It's going to be so crazy, like, because I'm going to know everybody in the movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what's crazy. No, it's good. Yes. You'll love it. Well, the, uh, the steam room is about to take a legendary turn because the legendary longtime producer of Inside the NBA, Tim Kiley, Thank AKA, you, Ernie. AKA TK, TK. Uh, joins how was us. It? When me and Ernie were busting our hump on Mars Madness, how was spring break? <sighs> you obviously don't pay attention to any other screen except the one you're on. First of all, we're on four of them. We're not yeah, on so one we're, screen. We're, so were we. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, down Trust here me. in it was Atlanta. Like, ask Ernie about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. know Ernie yeah. was working. Oh, yeah. you were working too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. They, have, they, okay. Have, they have different shifts for the producers. So Jeremy yeah. would, well, wait, Jeremy would be in there. Wait, Keith would be in there. Wait, TK? Different shifts? Well, we don't get different shifts. What are you talking about? You go to faces and names and... Get get whacked out making, of your brain. You're making me work twelve hours a day. I can't get a pop. As Ernie says, <laughs> I work twelve hours. I go in the I go in the building at ten thirty in the morning and don't get out till twelve thirty at night. I don't deserve a pop. As what Ernie you, says, you get you get you get Ernie's, half a day. Ernie says, <laughs> Ernie says, Ernie says we'll yeah. come have a pop. Let's go have, have a pop. That's yeah. it. Well, I'm smiling outside, and I know Ernie is too. But I do have a bone to pick with you. Uh oh. 60 minutes. I never thought Charles would be so devious. Only one bite of Ernie, and you cut me out. I, you cut me out of the piece. Wait, do you think I edited the piece? Absolutely. You had, you had rights over all of it. No, it's your piece. I, nope. Uh, I did not have any control over any part there of There was it. no editorial. No, uh, no. I didn't know. Was I, 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 so I, I was just in there for one bite. Yeah, just one bite. Okay. Which, you know, it was I probably mean, really good. Probably well, great what bite. about Kenny and Shaq? Bite. They're not whining and complaining like you are. Well, I don't make their it? money. Nope. Just what? Charles, 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 Charles. Editorial control. Nope, nope, nope. Exactly. And I will tell you this. I watched 60 Minutes religiously. It was an honor and a privilege to be on that show. Yeah. I agree. I agree it was an honor to be interviewed, but I'm still pissed. 
Okay. Well, maybe they're going to feel right. better. Yes, yeah, I'm feeling better. Get that now, off Arnie. your chest there, yeah, Legend. There you go. Maybe, maybe when it comes out on DVD, they're going to put you in there to be yeah, longer. That's true, yeah. I get the. Uh, you can ex- watch the, you can yeah, watch the entire thing on CBS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Including the one on one with you Jim Kiley. You want me to call him? Yeah, no, that's fine, Charles. Okay. It's a, you don't have to go any further than that. I just wanted to make sure you were paying attention to everything that was going on in the world. Uh, the, the masters. You spoke of the masters. Yes, earlier. go live, go live, guys. Please yes. live, guys. One of y'all win. Did you? Did you guys both see? I thought it was kind of almost um, uh, a little sad, a little poignant. Tiger saying he may not be able to play the masters much anymore. Well, I think that I saw that, but I hope he plays the masters. Uh, first of all, I hope he plays the senior tour. He's the greatest golfer ever. And anytime he plays, it's great for the game. Hey, it's going to be difficult for him to win against those young kids. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest days of my life, I actually got to play the, play the Masters last year during the playoffs. He played Augusta National. I did. And let me you tell you. You didn't play in the Masters. The Black Masters. Well, oh, yeah. That's, that's it. The Black Masters. <laughs> yeah. and, j- and just for the record, I am getting ready to ramp up my practice schedule. Uh-oh. Because, you know, I was in New York for two weeks. In oh, Houston, March for, Madness. And so, so I'm really anyway. So I'm getting ready to ramp, ramp up my practice routine mm-hmm. for the Black Masters. Well, that's right. sad. I'm glad to hear that because I, I, I wanted to get Ernie's take on. I know pretty much what the normal Black Masters dinner is. Yeah, which is barbecue, barbecue, barbecue. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Because Sarah Land is just awesome. Yeah, she's the greatest. Yeah. I, but my question is, is it's a big deal with the golfers as to who they pick. The Masters winner has to set the menu. Has the champions. Yes. Has, yes. has the champions dinner. And um, Scotty Scheffler. Yes, yeah, Scotty Scheffler will be doing it this year. But hands down, the worst dinner apparently was Bubba Watson. Watson. Who just had fried chicken? What's, well, what's wrong ma- with fried chicken? Hold Not on, Fr- mashed potatoes. What's uh, that's what I'm bringing potatoes? up with you two guys because I know what you like. Just let him finish, Chuckster. Fried chicken, Somebody mashed f- potatoes, corn, macaroni, and cheese, and Nick Valdo called it a happy meal. Oh no! Well, that's first of all, he don't know what a real happy meal is. I do agree one thing: he should have had a different type of meat or like a fish for people, other people. Ooh. Like like Scheffler had a fish. If I remember correctly, and a steak. I mean, because guys eat different things. You can't assume everybody gonna eat fried chicken. I do like mm. me some fried chicken. Uh, yeah, if it's done right. Oh yeah. You can't eat anybody's fried chicken. You can't eat anybody's fried chicken. You can't. Or you mean you can't eat just anybody's fried yeah, chicken? Yes. Be made correctly. Yeah. Yes, because a lot of people don't cook it. They cook it too fast, and it gets crispy on the outside, and it's still not great done. You have to take your time, brother. And make sure the inside. Do you fry chicken? Uh, no. Then, then what are you talking what are you about? Talking no, about? But I, I'll go to restaurants or mm-hmm. order fried chicken, and it has to be. It's like a buffalo. Yeah. It's like wings. Yeah. All but, wings. I, I love but you shouldn't, wings. You shouldn't be giving advice on how long to cook or how to, hot to cook stuff. You don't. You don't do it. Obviously, you don't want it crispy on the outside and raw on the inside and to make what, you and, sick. And that's the way a lot. It, it, it's not raw, but it's not totally it's done. undercooked, and it's that's under, not good for you. They, that's right. Same thing with wings. I'm a wings aficionado. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they, what about them? Well, I, it, sometimes they don't cook them well in the center either. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to be really Don't careful. Don't go to those places. Uh, well, uh, you got to try them. There's a new place up here called Urban Wings that just opened. I can't wait to try it. It's up on uh, Piedmont. It's called Urban Wings. I hope their wings are good. Let's get some let's get some brought into the studio. We'll, right, we'll last try one. Them out. Okay. That's right, we should. Okay. We'll and catered. For each of you guys, since you're I know you're a voter. MVP. <laughs> Who's your MVP? Well, I'm gonna say this here. I hate that these fools on other networks have made brought race into question and things like that. My honest opinion, I think you give it to any of the three, and I would not be upset. I've got a vote. I have not sent my ballot in yet. And you wouldn't believe, this is one of the toughest years of all time for me. Ever. In, 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 in balloting. Um, I mean, and I've drawn up charts, comparing numbers, all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm leaning a certain way. I'm not, you know, I'm just about ready to to do that. But my difficult, my toughest part is the all nba teams because you got to you got to do three all nba teams i got a question and there for have you. been so many guys missing games i gotta ask you a question go ahead because i'm gonna blow a gasket because this guy this guy's not gonna make probably one of the first two teams and he should shay gilgis no, he's a, he is on my ballot yes he should be i'll tell you this too you know who's not going to be on my on my ballot um, and because of the games missed, and look, the league wants to say you got to play 65, you know, in the new CBA. Yeah. You got to play 75% of the games, which would be 65 games out of the 82. I'm not going that high this time, but I have to dr- I have to cut it off somewhere. Yep. Or otherwise, you say, how do you include him and not him? So I'm yeah. saying 70%. So I say you got to play in 58% of the games, or 58 games, 58 games, or I can't put you on... The awards. So, you know who's not going to be on my All-NBA? Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, uh, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. None of those guys, even though you could look at it and say, man, those guys are All-NBA talent, but I just can't do it. I just can't include them if I say, okay, I'll include Steph. You happy with Then how can you not do this? Right. You You happy with 65? 65? Yeah, I think that's a – I think that's a – you know, missing 17 games out of the year. Uh, if you play 75% of the games, three quarters of the season, because injuries are going to happen. Uh, and, and, and injuries are different. Yeah, yeah. Injuries are different. How are injuries different? I think if a guy's injured, that's a little – see, that, that's what – Then you'd co- say he doesn't have to play 65? Well, that's why I thought he should have put it at 70 first. I, I, I wanted 70, but – I really do think you have to factor in. That's what's going to be tricky going forward. Mm-hmm. To, to me, there's a difference between injured and load management. Oh, yeah. No, if you got you got a legit injury yes. and you can't play. Yes. Yeah. So that's who I think is going to be tricky. Mm. We'll see how that how that plays out. But definitely. Well, it's definitely going to play out. Yeah. I know, but I, I want yeah. to see how it plays out. Um, um, there you go. Can, that's can that's can a long I, answer. Can I steal one thing, Ernie, before I leave? It won't be, first of all, don't act like this is the first steal thing you stole. Steal I just want to steal, I want to steal the toss to break from you if yeah. I can. Sure. Oh, when we oh. return, a story about soap. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in Steam Room. Come and join us in Steam Room. 
Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. And we're back. I miss that so much. Miss what? This the 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 music. Oh, you just heard it. I know, but I'm saying, well, we've been gone for what? three weeks. Oh, okay. I got you. Hey, what's the number for your answering machine? I don't know. It's your answering machine. <laughs> Listen, man. 404-987-987-0111. 0330. So give it to me. Uh, 0330- no, no, you can't just dial that. 404. Uh-huh. Eight seven nine nine eight seven. I was I had it close, didn't I? Just it's like nine eight seven. Really? Like, See, this is a, one of your useless talents. Remembering a phone number? Yeah, because I'm not going to call myself. I know, but okay. But people be, might Am be I asking. Right, people to, might be asking you, uh, like but, out in public, Chuck. I really want to leave a message uh, on the on the answering nobody's machine on the that. podcast. Nobody's what ever is said the number? That. In the three, this is is this year three you, or four? And then you give them. Is this, year, is this year three or four? This is year four. See, no, in, in four years, nobody on the street has asked me the number to the steam room. Okay. But I'm not going to call myself and ask myself a question. 404-987-0330. Here's call number one. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hi, Chuck and Ernie. Loyal steamer and fellow Charles calling in here from Houston, Texas. My question is for Chuck. Now, Chuck, you're a man of many names. The Chuckster, Sir Charles, the Round Mound of Rebound whatever else Jack happens to call you behind your back. But you've said many times on Inside that you will never go by Charlie. As a Charles that's gone by Charlie his whole life, my question is, why not? Do I need to reinvent my image here, start going by Chuckster? Thanks, fellas. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, my name has changed a lot. Paul Westford, I had actually never been called Chuck until I got to Phoenix in 1992. It had always been Charles. I thought I'd been Wade for a while. That everybody in Alabama calls me Wade. That's, my, that's your middle name. That's my middle name. Even when I'm home today, people call me Wade. They don't call me Charles. But now most people call me Chuck now. I love, I, I have no problem with Chuck. I've never liked the name Charlie. Why? I just don't like it. I don't have no particular reason. Well, somebody, was there a bad <laughs> no, experience? No bad experience. Or somebody you don't like who called no, you Charlie? No, no, no. I, I I don't even know why, but I just don't. Charlie is not, Charles or Chuck is fine. There's no reason. If somebody else want to be called Charlie, that's fine. How about Crisco Kid? Uh, that was in college. <laughs> the Crisco Kid. <laughs> the Wide Lows from Leeds. <laughs> the, the Good Time Blimp. <laughs> I had I, I, I there's some I read them on television one day. <laughs> the only one I ever really liked was the Round Mouth, the, the Incredible Bulk, the Incredible Bulk. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you know you must have been doing something. You must have. I, I do me. a lot of research. Yeah, I Google okay. you all the Google time, Chuckster. Never know what's going to come up there. <laughs> Next call. Hi, Sir Charles. This is Nathan from Buffalo, New York. If you drop soap on the floor, is the soap dirty? Or is the floor clean? <laughs> Drop. Whoa. Why are you it. dropping soap? You, you where should. does that come from? Where does that come from? From some guy who who says, I'm going to call the steam room. I'm going to leave a message for Chuck and ask him this question. So is is does the soap get dirty or does the floor get clean if well, you drop soap? 
you just, you just, I think soap is always clean. Soap is always clean. What if you drop a bar of soap into a sandbox? What? See, now you're just making up stuff. You should never be in the sandbox. <laughs> you, you're the man who hate the dreaded shower tub combination. Yeah, which we had in Houston, by the way. I know. Uh, it, it, but you, I didn't fall. You know what's really weird about that, Ernie? I had when you said that about three or four years ago, how you hate you hated the hotel. I didn't say I hate the hotel. I just said I don't like the shower tub combo. I had never thought about that in my life, and now every time I check in a hotel, the first thing I, you look at, I, I just start laughing. Like when I got to Houston, uh, I just start laughing because I never heard it explain as a shower tub combination <laughs> but i know how much you hate it and every time i walk in the room and see it i just get a big laugh um so is the soap dirty or is the floor clean the uh the, the, so, the floor the soap is just clean we'll do that you the know soap tra- is clean. you never you know i travel with my own soap you knew that didn't you no i travel with a big bar of soap i i love soap but big bars <laughs> why are you afraid it's not going to be in the hotel, or no, is there, no, a, no. Is there a they started, is there a a reason? Yes, they started, dermatologically that you need a, no, a specific soap uh, because these hotels started being cheap, putting little tinier bars. Yeah, but how about the the uh, what do you call the shower gel? I never, I I, ne- I hate body wash. I hate body wash. And there's a couple of times. So you, you have a bar of soap that you travel with. I've got a bunch of, I always travel with a couple of big bars of soap. What and let kind? me tell you, because um, it's like this uh, unique company. Uh, Irish Spring? No, that's not a, those bars ain't big enough. Because I almost had a couple of accidents with the soap at hotels. And uh, In what way? Well, when I was washing a part of my body, I almost had a little incident. So I stopped. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> I was had a little incident with those lip bars of soap. Almost lose it? I almost lost it. And I was like, whoa, that was too close for comfort. So now I travel with my own big bars of soap. I did. I almost had a couple accidents. And I was like, yeah, this is too risky. So, Next yeah. call, please. <laughs> Hi, Charles. Hi, Ernie. Hi, TK. How are you guys? This is Soli from Pasadena, California, single mom. Wanted to know, what is your party music before you guys go out? Charles, before you go to your Vegas trip or golfing with the boys, what is your jam? And Ernie, when you're going to be with your beautiful family or going to have a party, what is your jam? Okay. Love you guys. Oh man! So what do you, what do you got, Chuckster? Well, it depends on if I'm got uh, I got two types of music. When I'm really want to get jammed up, jazzed up, and I want to be full of energy, I'm gonna listen to rap. And ninety percent of the time, it's Public Enemy. That's my favorite group of all time. Chuck D and the Boys. Like when I really want to get pumped up, I'm gonna go with Chuck D and Public Enemy. That's that's my favorite group of all time. Um. When I'm like out on the back patio or we're cooking out or something and uh, got the grandkids over and we're hanging out, mine's really laid back stuff. Yeah. It's like uh, trying to think who's on. uh, Have you ever ever heard Mipso? Ever heard the band Mipso? No. Four four people from uh, Chapel Hill. They're awesome. Um, um, Great harmonies. Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. 
You know, it, I just got, I got a lot of yeah. like uh, almost alternative folk stuff. You know, just. Jan- just a, uh, I've been listening to, for some reason. I have a thing for Tevin Campbell. Fairground Saints too. Yeah. Also, by uh, the way, Tevin Campbell, good. James Morrison. Mm-hmm. You know, who I'm starting to realize Chris Stapleton. Mm-hmm. Hey, PJ Morton. I'll throw him out there too. Yeah, PJ Morton is great. Very good. But Chris Stapleton, Tevin Campbell, James Morrison. You know, uh, Bruno Mars. When I'm just chilling. But uh, James Morrison, man, he's really good. And, and you know, I'm crazy about Dan and Shay. Yeah. Yeah, Dan and Shay are unbelievable. What I've found, Chuckster, lately is that if I am uh, if I throw on a, um, like on Spotify, uh, a particular artist, but their radio. Yeah. And then it's a bunch of stuff that's like that. Like that I yeah. discover folks that I've yeah. never heard of before, and all of a sudden I'm hooked on them. So that anyway, that's yeah, that's uh, how I found James Morrison. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's unbelievable. Not to be confused man, Chris, with Jim Morrison. Uh, Chris Stapleton, man, what a voice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I enjoy. I really enjoyed Zach Brown. You know, he that his song was for my father daughter dance at the wedding. The yeah. man who loves you the most. Exactly. So then I started listening to the rest of his music. And I was like, damn, this dude is good. And then he was great at uh, Final Four. How about Final Call? Go ahead. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. This is loyal steamer Justin from Vancouver, Washington. And I have a question for both of you. Having signed as many autographs as I'm sure you both have over the years, I'm curious, what is the most unique item that you've ever autographed? And also, if you're able to say on the air, are there any interesting body parts you have ever autographed for someone thanks for all you do guys uh mine are pretty much standard and i think you know when you have to sign like signing a bobblehead is uh interesting is is hard because there's very little surface area there to to do that with but or golf balls or golf balls are annoying yeah Uh, yeah um i've so i've signed a breast before have you yeah chicken chicken (laughs) breast it was a little bigger than a ever chicken. ever sign a. It was a little bigger than ever a chicken. sign a bar of soap. Yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, I've signed a breast before. I, I was I was like I don't know if I want to do do if I should do that, but they were excited. They probably were a little intoxicated, and I probably was too. <laughs> you know, so that's, I, is that's, that about is that yeah. about it for that answer, or do you have more details? Like I thought we were done with the soap discussion, and then yeah. you went another step. Further. I'm telling you, man, that's a dangerous thing that that little bar of soap. If you care, you have to be careful with those little bars. Hotels skimp on soaps. Got to be care, dialed in. Have to care, yeah, yeah. literally, <laughs> literally. Are we? Uh, are we ready to call it a day here on the on the steam room? I think we are too. Uh, it's been fun. It's been. It's great it's to be great back. To be back, and man, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs. Yeah. Next time we do the steam room. Yeah. Exactly. It'll be in full bloom. Yeah. So uh, thanks for being with us, loyal We're glad to be back. We appreciate it. Uh, this is Ernie Johnson. And for Charlie, we'll see you next time. <laughs>